Are you a high-performing real estate investor who's looking to further elevate your performance? If so, download our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits by joining our insider network at elevatepod.com. This guide created by yours truly has the power to put your transformation on autopilot and exponentially change your trajectory. Go get your free copy now at elevatepod.com. Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with the great Terrence Murphy today. If you're an NFL fan, if you're a college football fan, we've got a great athlete with us today. But believe it or not, we've got a phenomenal real estate entrepreneur with us today as well. And I'm telling you right now, this is one of the greatest people that I've been blessed and grateful to meet recently and get to know. And I'm telling you, this this individual is authentic. He is genuine, but he is also prolific. I mean, this is somebody who has done so much in real estate really over the past decade plus and so much more. And he's a great leader. So you're going to learn so much about leadership. You're going to learn so much about expansion and real estate and how you can apply creative thinking, but also timeless wisdom to the growth of your real estate portfolio. Today is a phenomenal day. I want to let you know that Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal growth for high-performing real estate investors. And today is no exception. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a professional real estate investor and high-performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar. Before we dive into this episode, I want to encourage you to Subscribe to Elevate Podcast. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us a rating and review if you're so inclined. If you have not done so already, please do that for us. It's extremely helpful. And by the way, I read every single review. So would love to get your feedback. What are you loving about the show? Uh, what would you love to see more of? Who would you love to see more of? Give us some feedback. Give us a rating and review. Also, by the way, the fee is just to pay it forward. Share this with a friend. Share this with someone that you care about. Maybe it's even someone that you just met. Hey, by the way, it was great to meet you. Listen to this podcast because I think it'll take your life to the next level. That's the fee. We don't ask you to pay anything. We just ask you to pay it forward. Just send it to one person. Share this with one person. Or by the way, you can share this on social media or what have you to your network and let them know what are the top three things that you're really applying to your business, to your life, to your mindset, and uh, to your own personal growth because there's so much here. We're going to continue to bring the heat and uh, we appreciate you being a part of Elevate Nation because we love you so much. We love doing the show. I love doing the show and I want to dive in. I want to introduce you to Terrence Murphy, who after a successful football career at Texas A&M, Terrence graduated class of 2005 and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers that same year in the NFL draft. After retiring from the NFL, real estate became his main focus and passion. You're going to learn so much about his really, really tremendous story today. After he he became a, a serious investor in the Texas real estate market and founded the brokerage TM5 properties in 2010, Terrence has personally completed $250 million in sales volume over the past 10 years. He is a visionary and serial entrepreneur at heart. He has successfully started a number of ventures and companies over the years, including the launch of the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast. Terrence possesses the same traits that he portrayed on the football field, passion, 
work ethic, dedication, loyalty, desire to succeed, and knowledge, all of which help his clients receive superior service. And by the way, you're going to get all of that and more today. I'm telling you right now, this is a great, great episode and inspiring, but also applicable and practical, ready for you to plug in immediately. So without further ado, please welcome the great Terrence Murphy. Terrence Murphy, my man, how we doing? Doing good, brother. How you doing? I'm fantastic, man. I'll tell you what, I'm always good when I'm with you. That's that's one thing I know. I mean, our friendship has not been long, but it's been deep already, which I really have appreciated. I mean, yeah. when I first met you at the conference in Dallas, I was like, man, this dude's special. And not not for any other reason than just who you are as a core of a human being. But obviously, you know, you've done so many great things in your life, whether it's on the football field or in real estate or for other people, man, I just appreciate you so much. But you know, I love to dive into this conversation and I'd love to gain perspective on what you think the perspective of yourself is from other people's vantage point. We were talking about perspective before the show started. So if you could describe yourself in the way that maybe your closest family members, maybe even your kids, your wife, the people around you, the people that work for you or with you, uh, your friends, how would they describe Terrence Murphy? Well, first off, man, um, it's crazy because I do wear a lot of hats, you know, and I've, um, you know, I'll start with my teammates back in the day. They used to call me an old man, you know, um, one, because I started as a true freshman. My first game ever at Kyle Field, um, I caught the game winning touchdown in the fourth quarter in front of 90,000 people. And, um, you know, I came there as a two star quarterback recruit. I was on like eighth team when camp started. And um, I graduated high school, packed my car that weekend and moved to Texas A&M and slept on the guy's couch that summer and worked out with the team. And uh, I didn't pay rent, but he just said, keep me, you know, help me with the groceries and you can you can sleep on my couch. And that's just been my mentality, bro. Um, it's just the lunch pill kind of come in and grind. But my teammates would call me like an old man. I would I just I, you know, I really, you know, had a different perspective at a young age. But as far as my kids, my wife. It's, 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 it is a, I'm an extremist. I'm never in the middle. I'm usually on one end of the spectrum. So at home, I'm just more laid back. I'm an introvert. I'm really, you know, don't say much. I, lo- I love just having fun with my kids. My wife thinks I'm the funniest person in, 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 in the world. She, <laughs> I keep her laughing. But at, at work, I, I'm either laughing and having fun or I'm really intense. But the beauty of it is, if you know me, you know me. And like you said, I'm like, no matter what situation I'm in, I'm going to be consistent as far as who I am. Like, I'm not, I've never really focused on trying to impress people. Honestly, I really don't care about that. Um, And so I just try to be me because I always say I got to be me because everybody else is already taken. Ooh, there it is. That's a reminder for all of us, like every single one of us listening or, or engaging in this conversation you know, we're the only one, right? We're the, we're the one unique individual that calls ourselves who we call ourselves. And man, I just love that. I love that background. And it's really dynamic. Like you're multifaceted. We're all multifaceted, right? You're not just one personality, but man, thinking back to sort of your upbringing, I'd be curious where that, you know, that old man mentality came from that lunch pail, that blue collar work ethic, but also, you know, being sort of all in or, or not, right. It's like, you're fully committed or, but you're also willing to have fun. I mean, where did that all come from? Could you describe a little bit about your upbringing and sort of what that was like growing up as Terrence Murphy? Yeah. East Texas. Um, so 
what, what most people would call very country. Um, and uh, it was a tough neighborhood. Like, you got to be strong or you will get ran over where I'm from fairly quickly. But I grew up with a single mom. She was all type A. Um, and so she was the mom and the dad in a lot of situations. And she never she never gave us a crutch. Like there was no thinking that we didn't have or we were less like it was go be great. Like and she didn't accept anything else. Like she even told us in sports, like if you're going to play, you're going to be great. And if you're going to play, you're going to you're going to be on the field. She didn't accept like if I was playing football and I didn't go in the game, she's like, you're not going to play if you're going to be sitting on the bench. I'm not going to be wasting, I'm not going to be wasting my gas and doing all this unless you're going to be on the field. So she just always had a very, very high expectations for us. And for me, she was really hard on me. She always had high expectations. And I, and I see it now, you know, cause now that I have kids, you see their gifts, you can kind of see who's what and what's what. And so she just, um, that's where I got that mentality from. Um, and then uh, my dad was a jokester, so I kind of got that a little bit from him, just kind of having fun. I don't play pranks, but I love laughing, and I just love having fun. And so that's that's something we say at TM5. You know, most people say, you know, work hard, play hard. We say work hard, laugh hard. Mm. So, yeah. I like that, man. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, what, what what is life and what is business without fun, right? What is life and, you know, without happiness and laughter, man, it just makes such a difference. And even, by the way, you know, I was talking to a Navy SEAL commander, Rich Devinney. He talked about laughter and humor being something that can push us through hard challenges, right? It's not just obviously fun, but it can there can also be a purpose behind that. So I know you're just such, such a purposeful individual, Terrence. And one thing I wanted to get into is obviously as you excelled on the football field, right, as you continue to grow as an athlete, you, you know, stepped into really the highest levels of football, right? You became an NFL player, a very high draft pick and stepping into that world, obviously continuing to excel as an athlete, you started to be, you know, introduced to the world of finance, right? You started to learn about opportunities to place capital and all of this, but did you have financial literacy at that point? Did you know what you were getting into? Did you know where to place your money or did you have to learn that along the way as well? It was all self-taught, man. And I say that um, with the right vein and the right spirit and the right heart. It wasn't like I'm like, oh, it was all self-taught. It's all me. It right. just genuinely was because, you know, in 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 the education space and we've heard a, this has kind of now been overtopped. Robert Kiyosaki and people like that, you know, the education, you can have education and not have financial literacy. Mm. And so for me, I had a great education, uh, a degree from Texas A&M, but I didn't understand money management. I didn't understand investing. I didn't understand leverage and some of the things that we'll dive into. So when I got drafted at 22, you know, I went in the first two rounds of the draft. And obviously, we, this has been well documented. Aaron Rodgers was the first pick in that draft class and I was the second pick. But what forced me and thrust me in, like forced me into financial literacy was my, my injury. So when I got injured, I realized, man, like it's over. And so I got a transition and honestly, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do with my life. And so I just wanted a passion. I prayed that God would give me a passion. It didn't matter what it was. It could have been basket weaving because <laughs> everybody knows if I put my mind to it, I'm going to be great and I'm going to be one of the best. And I've always said that my mom always told me that. And that's why people may, if you don't really know me, it could sound arrogant. But I tell people all the time when they're like, well, why haven't you changed since you went to the NFL or you grew your companies? I was like, I've been successful my whole life. Like success is not new to me. 
So like, and so that's really what forced me into financial literacy is to understand what's next. And so real quick, 2008, I got drafted in 05. I retired in 2007. 08, the stock market hits. I had money in the market. I went to my financial team at the time and I said, guys, you got to get my money out of the stock market. I was 23 or 24 and I got to give it to my financial advisor. He he cared about me. We still have a great relationship. He said, dude, what are you going to do? Most 23 year olds, 24 year olds just take it and blow it. And I said, you know what? I don't know. I'll call you back. (laughs) In that moment, this was life changing. Um, I watched a Robert Kiyosaki infomercial and then me and my wife went to Barnes and Noble. I got a grocery basket, literally. And I just went down the aisle of finances, accounting, financing, um, entrepreneurship. And I just start pushing these books in my basket. Wow. And um, I read Robert Kiyosaki, Who Took My Money. It was the right topic for the right time because I was in 08. We were everybody's money was being taken. And um, I called him back that like seven days later. I said, I've read a book front to back and I'm going to go move back to College Station and invest in real estate. And he was like, wow. So that's that was a start. Wow. So you went back, you went all in. It's like, it almost goes back to the beginning of the conversation. It's like, you're an extremist, right? You're either on one end or the other. So you went on one end, you said, look, real estate, I don't know anything about it, but I'm going in, I'm going back to the market that I know, and I'm going to figure this out. So talk to me, what happened from there? Yeah. So 2006, I was um, a limited partner in some multifamily projects, some development projects. Um, and it's a it's a company called Stillwater Capital. Look those guys up. I'm proud of them, man. They're they've come a long way. They're one of the biggest capital companies in in Dallas now. But I was one of their first limited partners uh, investing in their multifamily projects. So 2006, seven, and eight, I had money in the market and then money in some limited partnership. So I saw the structure of what it means to invest in other people's deals. And then in 08, and when I talked to him, I said, you know what, I can do this. And so uh, we moved to College Station, bought our house. And man, I just kind of started in single family. That's what I knew. Um, and I started buying up like urban development lots and things like right around our, our university and started replatting, rezoning, going vertical. And uh, man, we just started building this portfolio that um, obviously has done really well. That's awesome. So did you find a mentor or anything like that? Or are you learning by asking questions or how did you get your footing and really get an understanding, obviously through experience in some ways, but could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I'm a chameleon, man. Like I, I can watch an environment and I can adapt fairly quickly. Um, I always say, if you put me in a desert, I'll find my way to the water, hands down. Like I don't even think about it. And so for me, um, I actually had also moved back at that time. I was going to go to Mays Business School and, and get my MBA or get my master's in uh, the Lear program at the time. This is a great, I think this is a part of my story. And it was the Lear program, which was land economics and real estate. It was more about development and putting deals together, um, but they started changing it. So they brought in Sydney Donnell, which I will always honor her. She was one of the first females in, in the New York Stock Exchange to like really gain traction in like the 80s. Like she was a killer. And they brought her in to come run our new program at Texas A&M. And so they started changing it to the MRE, which is a master's in real estate. Well, I was right at that point where I was going to get into the program. And she said, you know, Terrence, here's what you need to do come out of some of my classes, just come sit in the back and just listen. And so for weeks, I would just go in and sit in the back, take notes in these masters of program classes. 
And she said, now you can see where the program is going. Is this something you want to do? She gave me a couple of personal books to read. I read them. And then one day she called me in her office and she just told me, she said, Terry, you just need to go out and do it. And I'm sitting there looking at her like, most intellectuals want you to get more degrees and more degrees. Right. And she's like, you just need to do it. But that was that she had been in the you know, New York Stock Exchange. She had been in that kind of um, capital market. And she's like, you have it, you go do it. And that's what really like gave me that confidence to go out. So from that point, I just read, I read about 40 books in 16 months. And I just started going out doing deals, bro. Um, and before I knew it, I was able to acquire like a whole two blocks right by Kyle Field, just from door knocking and writing handwritten letters and calling every realtor sign that I saw in the town. So, man, man, I love that. It's just, I mean, you think about like where you and I met was at the real estate guys event and their, their philosophy is education for effective action, right? That's exactly what you just described. I mean, it was education for effective action. You were pushed in this direction. And perhaps I'm sure in many ways, you're like, man, this is devastating. I got injured, right? My career in the NFL is over. So what am I going to do? And so perhaps looking back, maybe in some ways, it was this gift that you could have never seen that pushed you in this direction for, you know, so much action. I mean, what was the separators? I mean, in the early times, I mean, beyond just the pure drive to be great. You know, one of them was, I saw all my draft picks and friends that were still there. Um, and I, I became a leader fairly quickly uh, in the locker room. I, I mean, my rookie year, I was number two in the NFC behind Steve Smith already in kickoff return average after like five games. But I remember seeing Aaron Rodgers and my teammates, Nick Collins, these guys that I got drafted with holding up a Super Bowl trophy. And I remember saying, you know, I can be depressed and sad and pissed that I'm not there with them because I know I would have been. Um, or I can decide what my Super Bowl is going to be. And that morning I wrote down my thoughts. I had a couple of tears drop out of my eye and I said, okay, I'm getting up tomorrow. And I literally wrote it on my mirror. I wrote some scriptures on my mirror and I said, every day I'm going to get up and I'm just going to go be great, be, be the best me that I can be. And at that time there was no cameras, there was no TVs, there was no notoriety. And I loved it. I just, I wanted to be in the shadows and I needed to rebuild myself. So Jeremiah 32 talks about, rebuilding the temple. And that was the scripture that I clung to is just God had to rebuild me. And you said it earlier, it took some time for that onion to unwrap my story because it was just a freak accident. Like it wasn't like I was driving and DUI and drove off the road, or I just didn't have the talent. I actually had the talent. I had it all, but God had a different plan for me. And so I, I've, it's taken me some time to really understand that part of my story. But now with my kids, my wife, my companies the impact that I'm trying to make, I really feel like it obviously was meant for my good. Man, I tell you what, your story reminds all of us that, you know, our plans are not necessarily the plans that are, you know, made for us, right? And so if there is something that's disrupting what you think should be your path, maybe it's a gift. So be open to that. I know it's not easy in those moments and it's beyond, <laughs> not even close to easy. Yeah, but tough. now looking back, right, you have become the person that you were meant to become and you're continuing to do that. You're continuing to impact other people, provide amazing opportunities. And like, I mean, honestly, your podcast is called Real Entrepreneur, right? The Real Estate Entrepreneur yeah. uh, with Terrence Murphy. And so like now you've become this true real estate entrepreneur right across the board. 
and you're doing so many different things, right? The Terrence Murphy companies. I mean, you've got an opportunity to continue to grow not only in your brokerage business, in your investing business, in your development company business, syndications and funds and all these exciting things. Now, like you're doing big things. So let's fast forward to now, right? Like where everything, obviously we've skipped many of the steps, but I mean, I'm sure the desire to be great along the way has continued to propel you. You've continued to compound and be humble and ask questions, but talk to me about what's going on with you today and, and what, what really is getting you most excited today. Yeah, there's been a progression, man. Um, for me and, you know, going back real quick, once I started doing urban development, um, I realized that I was doing something that was different. I was buying these properties and I would go and I was piecing together these properties. And I realized it was very similar to what I was doing with Stillwater Capital in Holland Park in 2006, seven and eight. I just took that model and just brought it to College Station to a college town. And I saw something because my senior year, my roommate was dating a girl on a soccer team. And they would all come over and hang out and they would be like pushing to get into the bathrooms because we only had like one bathroom. Right. You know, it was like four bedroom, one bath or three bed, one bath, something like that. And I, I told my wife when we moved back, I said, college kids, college girls are going to want their own bathrooms. So we were one of the first ones in our community to buy property, redevelop it. And when we built it brand new, whether it was duplex, townhomes, single family, like whole blocks of houses, we would do four fours, five fives, three threes, three, three and a halves. And just that uh, thought process was so innovative at the time, 2007 and eight. So now the kids just love our product because they could come in and we had like these spaces that were just so different, but everybody had their own walk-in closet. They had their own bathrooms. And so that's what really helped us build our portfolio. Um, and like I said, I think we talked about this earlier, you know, we've done over a hundred million in development or acquisitions. Uh, with no capital raised. This has been me and my wife just getting after it. And that's what led me into getting my license because I would have people call me and say, I see your projects. Can I invest? And I would always say no. I said, but hey, you know, this is a book I read because I'm a giver. So I'm like, hey, here's a book. I would sign it, give it to them. But then they're like, you know, will you help me? So that's when I got my real estate license and started doing the, the production piece. And uh, that's really the real estate licensing is what led to where I'm at today. Like that was the biggest component that like propelled me forward from, from an exposure and experience standpoint. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital. And you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called The Bottom Line, The 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value-packed ebook. So I want to, want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com. 
and enjoy the rest of the show. So the first entry was obviously making the decision, right? And educating yourself, taking action, knocking on doors. You mentioned even uh, looking at particular sites. And thank you for sharing, you know, the particulars of that development and what you saw in the market, right? You saw a need in the market and you intuitively delivered that need. And obviously that's manifested in results. But then as you've continued to grow, what you've seen is that what you just described is when you got your license and you started producing beyond just participating as an investor or developer, that's where you saw the real, real growth. Why was that? I mean, what was the, what was the propeller in that, that particular circumstance? Yes, it goes back to, like I said, man, you're going to hear me reference Robert Kiyosaki a lot. You know, um, I have over 500 books in my library now, but he's, his books are still some of my favorite. But he talks about we have to have a career and our money has to have a career. And what I realized is my money had a career, which was my developments. That was what was building wealth. That was what was building those opportunities. But I needed to go get a career. And so I decided to start selling real estate. Well, in my first year, I did seven deals for a million bucks which is nothing to write home about. It was 2010. Um, it was a tough time to be a realtor. Well, I got pissed off because I'm like, I'm at Keller Williams and I'm at the bottom of the totem pole and I don't like being at the bottom of anything. Mm-hmm. So I decided once again, same mentality to go attack and study and sacrifice. There's even pictures that my wife has. I have my newborn baby in this hand holding her, trying to rock her to sleep so my wife could rest. I got a book in this hand, literally. (laughs) And I'm like (laughs) reading and, you know, trying to be super dad. But, um, but yeah, then I went to that next year, I shot to 21 million in sales. Then the next year I shot to 75 million in sales. And then the next year I jumped hundred million in sales. And so before I knew it, my brokerage was doing over 180, 175 was right to give or take. And from that kind of growth year over year is what also opened up more leverage and more opportunities for more developments. And because now I have agents that are working for me that can bring me deals. And then I'm obviously building a really good database of high net worth individuals because I was selling all the million dollar properties in College Station. If it was a ranch or a golf course home, I was most likely listing it or selling it. And so now I really built my database of investors that now have these relationships with that I'm gonna be leaning on as I start raising capital. Man, I love that. And thank you for going into detail there in terms of that growth because man, just because you start in a humble position doesn't mean you always have to stay there, right? Your commitment to excellence obviously has continued to show up. But I would imagine through your growth, whether it's through being a broker, through you know investing, developing, you've run into your fair share of challenges. Are there yeah. any big challenges that have really given you lasting learning lessons that you'd like to share with the audience today? Yeah, I would tell you it's, it's, it's more of a kind of mental, I always tell people, um, you know, at the end of the day, if you believe you can do it and if you have, so that's where the faith piece comes in. Cause it's, it's, it's one thing to have faith in whatever spiritual connection that people have, right? Mine is with God, it's with Jesus, right? But everybody has different ways to get that spiritual connection, but mine is with, with my father. And so from that, but I still have to take action. So, and then there comes a point where I can have faith in him and not have faith in myself. And that's where you see Christians pray and they pray. And it's like, God can't steer a parked car. It's like, you got to get going down the path so that he can give you the guidelines to go in the direction you want to go. And so for me, it's taking that just um, very um, like aggressive faith and then and meeting it with action. Because it says in Proverbs, Proverbs is the book of, of, uh, of wisdom, but we can't apply 
you know, wisdom without knowledge. And so the only way to apply wisdom is to have knowledge. So he always says, I got to go get the knowledge, though. So really focusing on that and really trying to take it to the the direction I was trying to go was 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 very important. So obviously understanding and gaining that knowledge, right, puts you in a position to take action, right? And when you take action, there's more wisdom, there's more knowledge that you gain through successes, but even much more from failures. Was there anything that really stuck out to you that was like, wow, I gained more knowledge and wisdom through this process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way to bring it back to me. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of stories there. Uh, the one is, um, you know, a lot of times people say mentorship is so important. And I think it is. But I think truly knowing that at the end of the day, you can have the greatest mentors, you can read all the books, you can go to the seminars, you you can pay Tyler to coach you, you still have to take the action. There's nothing better than experience. And so it's just like sports, right? Like you see those quarterbacks who are backup quarterbacks and they have all this, you know, praise behind them. But when they get in the game, it's like, man, I just expected him to play better because he hasn't had the experience. So he's got to get that experience. So what I tell people, the quicker you can get in the game and make those mistakes, because there's always, you know, you got, you got, you got lessons, but there are no losses. And so if I can gain those lessons, but the biggest lesson that I've learned is that at the end of the day, you got to understand the deal A to Z. They always talk about building a team. Yes, you can have team members, but you still got to have a general knowledge to where if I end up, you know, having to get out of this deal and exit strategy, I got to know it well enough to be able to lead the charge and not wait on someone else to, to take over it and, and fix it. Yeah, no, exit strategies are highly important, right? We got to have multiple options because my, my opinion is if you have one option, you probably have none, right? Yeah. So let's let's get a clear understanding. Well, if this happens, then this, right? What are our multiple exit strategies? You always want to be thinking about the end in mind in the very beginning, right? In real estate, I think that's so important. Are there any deals that you've done over the past few years that have really stuck out as great wins that have really allowed you to really propel yourself forward, not only from a confidence standpoint, but from a momentum standpoint. And the reason why I asked that in that way is because I believe confidence is important, right? We need to we need to put some points on the board, right? When we put some points on the board, we feel better about ourselves yeah. and, you know, we can continue to propel that forward. We can show the marketplace that we have what it takes. And so are there any deals that you've done that is like, man, I really feel great about that one. And, you know, we can continue to move forward here. Yeah, we can move forward. Yeah. There's a couple of deals. One, um, it was a, it was Montclair block. And at the time it was a, almost, um, you know, a lot of lower income rentals and it was a tough area but I just knew Kyle Field was right there and it's just a great area. Cause like once you go past Dexter Street, there's million dollar houses. But in this section, it was just a lot of dilapidated slum lawyer type properties. And I just knew the dirt, the dirt was worth much more than the than the product. So when I bought it, I ended up buying so many properties. Then I kept buying more, buying more, and I ended up buying the whole two blocks. It ended up being 120, 125 bed project because we count beds in College Station. So most people count doors or units or properties. We're, we're, we count beds because it's always what's your average like per bed rate because mm-hmm. college kids, right? And yeah. so student housing. Uh-huh. student housing, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's 125 bed project. It was well ahead of its time. I ended up scraping it and then just building new construction down both sides. 
that was that like is the first time it had ever happened that many units of new construction going vertical that close to campus. And so people thought I was crazy. I remember people like were going to the city saying he's buying these properties, he's tearing them down. And but man, it ended up being one of the one of the better projects. And that gave me that confidence as a developer and an investor that not only can this be done, you can scale this at an even greater level. Because I always tell people the fundamentals of a deal doesn't really change. It's just the size of the deal can change. And there's some complexities that change when you jump to different asset classes, but the fundamentals in the framework are pretty consistent. Yeah, no, I agree. It's all about risk and reward. If you want to keep it really simple, it's how much risk am I taking? How much reward is potentially, you know, at the end of that uh, rainbow, so to speak. And then what are my different options, right? What are my exit opportunities and different sides on that particular deal? I'm just curious. So you had to assemble, you know, each parcel from different owners. I mean, is that, am I understanding that correctly? Or did you have large uh, landlords that owned a swath of those, of those individual properties or how did that work? So there was one guy who owned like one whole side of the block and then he owned some lots on the next side. So I got him first and then there was another owner who owned about five or six lots and I just kind of pieced it together, brother. I love uh, it. Yeah, man. So it turned out to a good project. And, you know, one of the things people always ask me, like, why do you invest in student housing or, you know, multifamily, small multifamily. And that was one of the things, it's hard work. I mean, it's hard work. I mean, man, we, we managed all our properties for a long time ourselves. We did the construction, the development, the lease up. I mean, we were end all be all uh, in-house, but that was the, one of the reasons that encouraged us to look at triple net leasing and really transition into investing in that product. Because it's obviously a lot more hands-off, right? You don't have so, I mean, there's so much management intensiveness when it comes to student housing and multifamily. And obviously you balance out that with the risk and reward and all these different factors. But being a dynamic investor, I'm really gl glad that you brought that up. You know, investing in triple net retail and and otherwise, other you know, other commercial use assets. So talk to me about your entrance there. What did your first deal look like and, and so forth? Yeah, so my first deal was in North Carolina, in Asheville. It's a cool town. That uh, is a really cool, I agree. <laughs> I love that town. Yeah, it's a cool town. I will tell you, what I want to encourage everybody in the podcast is do your due diligence. Um, and so what people don't realize is I was studying it really hard for about 15 months before we took off on this first deal. But yeah, this deal in particular specifically was a Starbucks and a Buffalo Wild Wings. So it was a two unit deal. Um, it was in a Hobby Lobby parking lot with a couple more um, tenants, but it was a two unit deal. We got a really good cap rate on it. It was brand new construction. So I like buying them new construction, not remodeled. Um, and it wasn't, you know, any ground lease. I mean, I like owning the dirt. I want to own the building. I want to own it. It's called real estate. Like I want <laughs> the real estate, you know, because you see a lot of people that invest in those ground leases. That's not my thing. Um, but yeah, so you know, Starbucks was AAA rated company, Buffalo Wild Wings. So we're dealing with a different type of tenant. Like our college kids, we love them. And the beauty of it is a lot, a lot of our tenants have were backed by their parents. So we have parent guarantors. But when you're dealing with these people, I mean, we're, we're getting our checks directly from corporate. So that's our tenant. So the way that you underwrite that deal and the way that you evaluate it is totally different because you're really trying to understand what that publicly traded company is doing, where they're headed and what their balance sheet looks like and what their overall growth pattern looks like. And so when we really looked at that and then we looked at what Asheville was about to do as a city, 
So those are the that's where it kind of changes the game. I'm not just looking at internal rate of return. I'm looking at demographics. I'm looking at the type of company. And uh, we got a good cap rate on it. We leveraged it so that we could get a better return. And, um, you know, like Starbucks leases are pretty similar. Like they usually have 10 year initial lease terms and three or four or five year renewals. So obviously if they stay the whole time, it's a 30 year lease. Yeah. And, and I would imagine like one of the things that you do always is think about, Hey, what, what happens in the worst case scenario? If for some reason this tenant says, look, I'm pulling out or, you know, they're, they're not going to honor the remaining terms of their lease. What do we do? Obviously with the credit that you've got in those tenants, that's very unlikely. I'm just curious. I mean, how initially in COVID, did you have any challenges? Did you have any back and forth with the tenant uh, in terms of deferrals or anything like that? I would imagine you maybe didn't, but I'm just curious. Yeah. So um, with a couple of our other buildings that are in other states, we had a couple of tenants that needed some um, rent deferrals. And we just try to approach it as if how would we want to be treated if that was us as a tenant? And that was the main focus. Um, so we didn't lose any rent. We might have put some back. We deferred it. But we're going to get everything that we're owed. But just giving people that room to breathe. Because at that time, when it all first happened, no one knew what COVID was and where it was headed. No. And so the beauty of it is a lot of those, you know, representatives for Starbucks or whatever or whatever, they now saw how we handled it as, as, as a, you know, a landlord or, you know, as, a, as an owner. And now they want to build a rapport and say, hey, here's our pattern. Here's where we're going next. Wow. You know, and so that's that's been an opportunity where we're trying to build that relationship with corporate and then we can just track with them and start developing them ourselves, too. So, man, it's just a reminder to do the right thing. Right. Treat people the way that you would want to be treated because, man, it can come back to you in spades. And it's not because of that, but that's just a byproduct. I know that's one thing that I've I've harped to myself and others around me so much. But, man, you're you're a living, breathing example of that. I want to talk about some of those personal traits, but before we get there, talk to me about your team right now. What does that look like? Obviously, you've got a lot of dynamic things going on, but how are you managing the day-to-day currently? Yeah, I think the biggest struggle that I'm having is separating myself because I love being a part of the team. Like, you know, I was a quarterback my whole life growing up, and I remember God was preparing me for this at an early age. My coaches would always come to me and say, hey, T, you got to handle this differently, or you got to say this. This can't come from a coach. It's got to come from you. You're the quarterback. You're the leader. And while I was an introvert, I didn't want to talk. I'm like, I don't want to get up in front of the team and say that. But it forced me to think. So those are lessons that I was learning at 14, 15 years old. That now I understand why. And so there's a time and a place for me to get in front of the team and say, hey, guys, this is where we're headed. Being that visionary, this is what we're doing. Um, but at the same time, now I got to kind of separate myself. So now I'm creating almost generals within my tribe, right? And so now when you need something, go to Amber. When you need something, go to Erica. When you need something, go to this person. And it's not all me, because that's the only way we can scale is creating repeatable systems. But yeah, Terrence Murphy Companies now is our brand. We've had it for a couple of years. That's kind of the overarching brand of our 20 companies. So we have 20 companies that we're leading um, that are all kind of within the real estate space. And sometimes people ask me, well, man, don't you feel like you're doing too much? I was like, yeah, if they were unsuccessful, then maybe, but they're all doing well. <laughs> you know? So Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. But that's that's what our team looks like. You know, I'm really creating. I've taken traction, Gino Wickman's book. Yep. And I really tried to put director of ops are integrators at the head of each 
um, company and really just coaching them, pouring into them. And soon I'll have one lady, which should be the chief of staff, who will lead all those integrators. And now that releases me to just focus on vision and clarity and um, where we're heading. Yeah. And I, I, I highly recommend any of the listeners to read the book Traction and to consider yeah. that operating system for your business. We, we use it for our business as well and businesses. And so I just think it's so valuable to understand what that process looks like and how are we treating people and how are we creating culture through a system, right? It doesn't have to be all regimented, but we can be creative. We can be, you know, we can bring out our best talents and skills through that system. I think it's awesome. One of the things that that I love about you, Terrence, is that you ask questions, right? You gain perspective, even when you know the answer, but you gain additional perspective because everyone has different perspective, right? That's one of the things that I love about having the podcast. Sometimes I'll ask a question and maybe I know what I think the answer will be, but it'll be a little bit different and I'll learn something new. But could you talk a little bit about that, like taming the ego and being humble, being willing to continue to challenge yourself as a beginner's mind when in many capacities you're not, but you're willing to show yourself or show others that you don't have every answer. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think there's a quote Dr. Frazier talks about, um, you know, even when you know the answer, you have to have the humility to still ask the question. And so for me, I've learned that I can't get any better if I'm the one doing all the talking. And so I try to ask a lot of questions and people always look at me because I'm like, they look at me like, because they know I know the answer, but I'm asking anyway. I think the thing that I'm really trying to focus on is I've studied personality profiles. That's something I really doubled down on. I really, I had a Manesh Boxy, he's an HR consultant. And he coached me for about two years on how to read desk profiles, behavioral motivators, all those things and really understand people. So I can pretty much, I was already a natural reader of people, but now when I'm seeing things in the workplace, I can coach them to specifically who they are. And that's really helped me really grow more leaders within the organization and then kind of know when it's time to assert myself and then know when it's time to kind of take the step back. And in this situation, like you said earlier, asking questions, I've learned that um, that has really helped me really understand the person that I'm talking to. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important to not think that you know everybody, right? Not to think that you know every answer or to understand, like, you know, one of the things that I found really powerful as a coach is that sometimes it's not about giving advice, but it's about asking questions. I'm sure you've realized that as a leader, right? Instead of just telling someone what to do, it's, yeah. well, maybe we need to ask a few more questions because I don't know about you, Terrence, but I've noticed that most people, and in fact, I know that this is true about every single human being on the planet. We are naturally creative. We're naturally resourceful and we're whole, like nobody's broken. So let's give people the opportunity to step up to the plate. But does that resonate with you? It's amazing, bro. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. I mean, I always tell my team lead with questions, literally. And even when I'm coaching them and they come back and say, I had this situation at our custom home business, Murphy Singer Jones. This was what happened. And I'm like, okay, so what did you, when they said that, what was your response? Well, I just, they just start throwing up at them. I'm like, well, did, why didn't you ask another question? Clarifying questions are so important because it gives you the target. And if you just ask the right questions or ask them enough, like you did earlier, you asked me a question, I didn't answer, you came back and asked me again. <laughs> you know, it's going to get you the target you want. You just got to be patient. But so many times people want to jump out front and talk. And so, yeah, for me, that's that's a main focus in real estate, man. Like whether you're dealing with investors and you're raising capital 
whether you're trying to build a relationship with an operator to take the product from him and obviously buy his multifamily deal, ask him the questions because that's how you're going to win the deal. That's how you're going to build a rapport because you know what he's trying to accomplish versus everybody wants to spit value now. Value, 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 value proposition. And it's just, it's, it's becoming a little redundant. I mean, when I got started in this business, I was so terrified to ask a question. You know, I didn't want anyone to know that I didn't know anything. But the more I've learned, the more people like you I've met, I'm like, man, the most successful people in this business ask the most questions. And sometimes it's like, man, that was a really basic question, but you can come to appreciate it because you're gaining so much more and you're also helping someone else gain so much more by asking a powerful question. So, man, I love that. Are there any habits that you've created over the past few years that have really served your compounded growth or anything that you've been really conscious of creating in your own life? Yeah. yeah. I think that was the biggest thing. I had a person come to me one day. He was a football fan. You know, I, I didn't know him. And he just walked up to me and said, Terrence, I've been watching you. I've been keeping up with your life, your career for a long time. And, you know, I've been in the spotlight now for over 20 years or so. But he started picking out these similarities in my story. And he started and it, man, it, he doesn't even realize he, I, he walked away. I've never talked to him again, but he changed my life because it was like, there are a lot of similarities that I can use as tangible evidence that there's a there's a track record, there's a playbook to what I'm what I'm trying to accomplish. And it's really helped me when I'm starting new ventures. So, yeah, one of the things that I have learned and I try to focus on that has created a hack for me is time management, time blocking. You know, when I was 15, 16 years old, I worked at Dairy Queen flipping burgers. I sat groceries at Albertsons. I went to speed camp and I went to school all at the same time. I was doing this at an early age. And so people say like, you know, there's a time and a place. And so like, that's why I say I'm an extremist. When I'm within the week, man, I'm trying to win the game. And it's no different than when we got in the huddle. There's a reason why they put a time clock on the huddle. Can you imagine if there wasn't a 30 second clock after every play, how long we would be in the huddle talking, <laughs> you know, like you would just be in there like, dude, why'd you run the wrong route? Why did you do this? Why'd you do that? Well, we don't have that kind of time. So it's like, hey, 30 seconds, what are we doing next? And that's where that's, that's where the whole football saying said next play, because you go out there and you run the wrong route, you drop the ball and let's translate that to life. The investor does a bad deal. They mess up. They make a mistake. Someone asked them a question they don't know the answer and they answer it anyway. <laughs> and now they're wrong and, and they can't get over it because now they feel like their, inter- their integrity has been questioned. But it's just next play. Just deal with it. Get in the huddle. Say, hey, that's on me. Tyler, when you asked me that question yesterday, I just want to be very honest. I didn't have the answer and what I said was wrong. Mm. Here are the facts, though. Here, here, I've now done the research. And this apartment complex is this, and this is this, and this is this. Here are the facts, right? And so that's on me, man. Do you do you forgive me for making that mistake? Yeah, man. Thanks for letting me know, bro, that you told me the wrong answer. You just made it up. Cool. Let's move on. Boom. Yeah. It's almost like next play mentality. It's like next play mindset. It's let's let's shake it off. Like there's ups and downs. We drop the ball every now and then, right? But we also catch touchdowns, right? Yeah. Well, and I took a lot of that. So yeah, not only do we drop the ball and make mistakes. Um, you got to deal with it. See, some people would just want to go next play and not deal with it. Mm. That was the beauty of the huddle. You, when you drop the ball in front of hundred thousand and millions on TV, you got to come back to the team, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because what people do in business, they just want to move past it. Like, Oh, I don't want to talk about it, Tyler. No, no, no. That's, that would be as if you dropped the ball and you just went into the locker room. No, 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 no. You got to come back and we got to get in the huddle and you got to deal with it. We got to own it. 
But then let's move forward, man. Let's go. So debrief, the power of the debrief is very important. Very, very important. And then owning it. That's the key word. But mm-hmm. it goes back to humility, man. Everybody's so focused on, you know, flexing and trying to put on for everybody. Like, that's why I tell people, I have a uniform. I bet every time you see me, I got this maroon shirt on. It's the same Columbia shirt. Like, <laughs> you like, do. I, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> People probably think I'm wearing the same shirt, but <laughs> I have 50 of these same shirts and I just literally go in my thing. I have same, I literally have the same pair of jeans, same shirts. I got maybe a couple of different colors and I just grab it and put it on because I'm more focused on winning the game. Man, I love that. That's man. That's the type of habits that I want to learn about. Thank you so much, Terrence. You're amazing. Go ahead. No, I want to ask something. You just brought it up. So that that's a habit that I was doing and my wife called me out. She was like, you wear the same stuff all the time. I said, great. I'm glad you figured it out. So now can you go buy me all of the same shirts? <laughs> so now when she shops for me, she'll find one shirt and she'll get it in all the same colors. And then when I started getting into my reading, as I got a little older, Steve Jobs, Mark yes. Zuckerberg, all these guys. And I started reading how and why their mind worked that way. Cause they don't want to use, cause think about it, our mental capacity, our mental energy we only have so much in a day. Yes. And I don't give a damn if you are the smartest guy in the world. You only have so much energy to solve problems, be creative, create vision, you know, run numbers. You only have just like we only have so much physical energy. You could be the most athletic person in the world. You can't run 50 miles a day all day. At some point, you got to take a break and hydrate. Like, and right. so for us, I don't want to use any of my mental energy on anything to me that doesn't bring value. Now there's some people who love dressing up and wearing ties and wearing high heels. For me, that's not my thing. Like I want to focus on vision. Yeah. I mean, you look at Mark Zuckerberg, you look at Steve jobs, you look at a lot of these guys, I mean, it's hoodies or it's a t-shirt. I mean, you know, you're limiting the variables, right? In real estate, we have a ton of variables. There's a ton of moving parts. So what can you do to minimize the moving parts in your life so that you can show up as a high performer and use your mind? Because your mind is your greatest asset, right? It's the greatest way for you to add value is to be creative and to be thoughtful. And yep. man, we can apply that thinking in so many directions. But Terrence, man, I appreciate you so much. I'm so grateful for your friendship. I'm so grateful to continue to learn from you, learn with you. And I want to transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire. This is about being uncommon, right? This is about making uncommon decisions so that you can give more, so that you can be more, so that you can grow more and continue that constant pursuit of that that person that you know that you can become so that you can give to other people. But I'd love to know if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what would those be and why? We've already talked about many, but I'd just be curious, are there any others? Yeah. So one is uh, Why the Rich Get Richer. It's another version of Robert Kiyosaki. Um, obviously we talked about the Gino Wickman series. So he's got get a grip. He's got traction. He's got rocket fuel. What is EOS? That that's always been a really good series for me. Um, and then the millionaire real estate agent as cliche as it is Gary Keller's book that he wrote the red book and the blue book, those books, um, really impacted me in a, in a great way. Yeah, I love it. I love it. We'll put links in the show notes to all those books as well. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Terrence's bookshelf behind him. I mean, this guy, as you can tell, is a reader, he's a learner, he's a grower, but he's also someone who puts things into action, right? It's not just about learning and philosophizing. It's about putting things into action. So I just appreciate that about you. Aside from our discussion today, Terrence, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? 
That's good, man. A couple of things. One, I'm really big on quality time with my kids. I have three little kids that um, we're growing these little babies, you know, a 10 year old, a seven year old and a four year old. And they all are different, man. We are so blown away how you can have kids from the same mom and dad grow up in the same home and be so different. So God is God is creative. So I really love my kids. I love hanging out with my wife. She's my best friend. You know, we met in college. And um, one of the things that I really try to focus on, and this is something that we've done. So for all you listeners out there that are entrepreneurs, that are type A type people, um, if you have a spouse that you've been blessed to meet, and I know this is, I'm not a marriage counselor, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, you know, set aside that time, man. So when we first got married, we we went on date nights on Fridays. Well, then when we had a baby, that was tough, man. You know, newborn, a lot going on. We're growing the businesses. And we looked up and before we knew it, we went on a date in like three months. And we were like, this isn't going to work. Like, what can we do? And so we started, we moved the date to a date lunch instead of a date night. And so we started on Thursdays from like 12 to one going to lunch. And then I said, you know what? If we can block out 12 to one, let's block out more time. So then we said, okay, let's do, let's do 10 to 10 to one. And before we knew it, our whole Thursday now is date day. Wow. So nine to four, we block out that time to not only go to lunch. Sometimes we go on a jog. Sometimes we, I go work out with her and it's just spending that quality time during the week. And not at the end of the night every day or on a, you know, to where she's getting, you know, quality time and I'm getting the quality time. So that that's something that's really important. And then my relationship with my father in heaven. Um, so just worship time. I love worshiping, um, being, you know, just really, you know, trying to find a way to connect with him is, is important. So family, uh, God, and then just time to love on the people in my ecosystem, in my spirit of influence. That's awesome, man. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? Um, I'm always focused on coaching them and challenging them. Um, and I'm always pushing them to invest in themselves. We tell all our employees, whatever you need, we'll make it happen. If it's a new laptop, if it's a this, if you find this conference that you want to go to, tell us why you see value in that. If we can invest in it and help you go, if we can sponsor you, whatever it is, like we always want them to have that. One of the other things that we never do is tell them no when they want time off. We've never said no. There was a literally, we had one week out of the year that we tell everybody you can't take off. And it was during make ready turns and all that. So it was like August, the first week of August. But other than that, they give us heads up and they want to take off. They want to go. They want to travel, whatever they need to do. Do your job. And if you want to take off, we give them the freedom to do it, man. So because uh, we, we know at the end of the day, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And if you just run people in the ground, they will leave your company. No and doubt. if they don't feel like you care about them, they will leave your company. Man, I would work for you in a heartbeat, my friend. No, no <laughs> doubt about it, man. I appreciate who you are, man. I just want to acknowledge you just for your humility, for your continued desire to give to other people, for your faith, not only in your higher power, but for in your family, on your team and loving on people and just being who you are, man. You who you see here is what you get, man. That's what I know about you, Terrence. And I just appreciate you so much. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation today? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on the show, bro. I think God connected us for a reason, for sure. A lot in common besides the bald heads and the beard. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're both in our, you know, we're still younger guys. When you look at the real estate space, we're still young guys when we're in our 30s, right? For so, sure. um, but we've been blessed to do a lot in a, in a short time period, but there's still so much more for us to do. The, my parting words would be, 
Um, if you are passionate about real estate and if you have the desire to pursue your dreams, anything is possible in this industry. It truly is limitless. Um, and never let somebody cap who you are, or what you can accomplish, because there's a lot of people doing great things. And there's another quote. There's a lot of people doing greater things in a space than you that don't have half of the talent that you have. They just decided to take action. You know, don't compare. Run your race. Don't look at Tyler. Don't look at Terrence and try to learn from us, grow from us. But don't try to be us. Be yourself. Yeah. Mike drop, my man. Terrence Murphy, everybody. Are you kidding me right now? What a <laughs> valuable conversation. Terrence, you, I just thank you so much. Uh, listeners, everybody, Elevate Nation, you can definitely go check out t- TerrenceMurphy.com. Of course, you can find Terrence on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, you name it. He's on you know, social media across the board, but you definitely want to go check out the show notes because we'll put links into how you can find him across the board. And you definitely want to go check out his podcast, which I was grateful to be a guest on recently, the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy. It's a phenomenal podcast. But Terrence, is there anywhere else where the listeners can find you and learn more about what you do? Yeah, man. TerrenceMurphy.com is a good place. Um, I'm more active on Instagram. I just started being a little more active. So my, I guess my handle is just Terrence Realtor. And people always message me, I can't find you because they're spelling it with an A. It's three E's and two R's. So T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E, Realtor. Um, but yeah, and in the podcast, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by people like yourself. And my podcast is pretty much brand new. It's only three, four months old. Um, but yeah, it's taking off. It's doing good. So thank man, you for having me on the show, bro. Absolutely, man. If there's any indication of the greatness that you've been able to accomplish and the other things that you do in your life, there's no doubt in my mind, your podcast is going to be phenomenal. It already is in so many different directions. And I mean that 100% authentically. And uh, man, Terrence, this has been phenomenal. Elevate Nation, I want to encourage you to re-listen to this show because there's so much value here. There's so much that you can apply to your business, to your life immediately. I want to encourage you to identify what are your top three takeaways from this episode? What are your top three items that you're going to take action on immediately? But also pay this forward and share this with a friend, share this with a business associate, a colleague, someone that you care about who you know would benefit from listening to this episode. But most importantly, take massive action. Until next time, Terrence, thank you so much for being on the show, my friend. Great job, brother. Proud of you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Elevate Nation. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.